Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, Patreon patrons. This is Joshua Fields Milburn from The Minimalists. What you're about to hear, well, it was a live stream that we did. We were doing a live stream test on Patreon just to test out this new feature so we can add value to all of our Patreon supporters. By the way, thank you for supporting us at any level. You're helping us create meaningful work that's 100% advertisement free. None of the money goes to me or to Ryan. What we're doing with that money is building a podcast studio and a film studio so we can continue to create the podcast but also create a bunch of other stuff videos and video essays so if you liked our documentary you like all the other stuff that we're doing we're trying to do a better version of that improve audio quality take callers live on the air and you are contributing to that and so Ryan was out of town when we recorded this live stream so I got my partner Rebecca from Minimal Wellness her and I got into a room with Podcast Sean. We, we did the live stream test, but we recorded some conversations we had, and we answered some questions from some folks who were on the live stream. And we had some pretty good answers, and I really enjoyed the conversation. So instead of just letting that go with the live stream, which you can go back and watch, by the way, we decided to share this with all of our Patreon supporters, no matter what level of support you are. Usually we're going to have the private live streams and the private podcasts available for any of our $2 or more podcast supporters. So you're welcome to join that tier if you'd like. But this one we wanted to make available to anyone who supports us on Patreon. We hope you enjoy this special episode of The Minimalists featuring me and my partner, Rebecca. Enjoy. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and, and next to me is a much more beautiful version of, of Ryan. Uh, I often refer to Ryan as my partner. He's my business partner. And uh, my other partner is here with me today because Ryan is traveling back from Germany. This is Rebecca Schoen. Hi. Many of you know her from Minimal Wellness. I'm looking at some questions I have here from a bunch of you. You've asked questions. I'm also going to get around to some questions here today. Really, we wanted to have this uh, quick session today. I say quick. Who knows what that will end up being? It could be half hour. It could be 45 minutes. It could be a five-hour excursion. Who knows? Uh, we're going to answer some questions today, but really just want to test out this new feature with Patreon. It's not something that I have used in the past. Uh, this service is called Crowdcast, and this is exclusively for our Patreon patrons. We're making this one available to all the patrons. Usually the live streams and the private podcasts are for the folks who uh, contribute two bucks or more, but we wanted everyone to sort of get a taste of this. So everyone who contributes anything, even if it's a penny this time around, um, you all will have access to this live stream that you're watching right now. And uh, of course, to the audio version afterward as well. I'm not sure if there's a video component that will be available afterward. If so, you'll have access to that as well. We're gonna have to check with Crowdcast with Patreon to see if that is available. available. But if not, we have podcast Sean behind us. He's recording the whole thing and we will uh, we'll chop it up for you, make it sound beautiful. All right, so if you all have some questions, uh, I, I see a few things here. If you look over, it's probably on this side of the screen, at least it is for me. Uh, Bex and I can see a bunch of questions here. Again, Rebecca is, is standing in for Ryan today. Uh, I needed someone else here 
to make sure that um, everything worked well and the lighting works. I kind of feel like we're, I, I mean, it's really strange to be in a, it's a very dark room otherwise. And we're just sort of, we're just sort of hanging out. It's like, it's like it was a really romantic scene and then someone c came and turned a spotlight on. And that's sort of what I feel like right now. So uh, if you all have questions, you can type them over on the side, but wait on that a little bit because I've got a whole list of questions right here in my hand. And I want to get around to some of those. Some, some, these are all from uh, Patreon members, supporters as well. Uh, the first question is from Nadine. Nadine says, any ideas for obtaining affordable health insurance when getting off the corporate bandwagon other than moving to Canada <laughs> or Europe? Um, my honest answer to this is I don't know. We're, we're, we are in a, uh, a time where our health care costs are skyrocketing, but also our ability to get health care, have access to care um, is changing. And from the time we're recording this to next week, it might be appreciably different. I'm not really sure. And so my answer to you short term is I don't know. My medium term answer is I am looking into it. I'm trying to figure out because this question is coming up more and more. People are asking a lot about this question and I wanna be able to give you a better answer than I don't know. But I also want to tell you right now that I don't know because I don't have a good answer. I'm not gonna make something up. Bex, do you, do you have any? Have any insight you want to add to that? I do actually. Oh, look at this. Ooh. So last year I left my corporate gig uh -huh. and um, got insurance through healthcare.gov and it's income based. So depending on your income after you leave the corporate world is how they determine your um, ability to pay for insurance. So um, that could be substantial or it could be relatively small depending on what your income post um, corporate life will look like. Right. So they might be able to go to, uh, what is it, healthcare.gov and do some calculations. There are also people they can talk to, um, insurance marketplace sort of question answers. Yeah, I mean, and, and that, that will vary pretty significantly by state. So mm -hmm. we're, we're here in Montana right now and um, there are a couple places that you can go. There's Montana Health Co-op and, and a few other places. And then also, uh, like for Ella, uh, she has a different insurance just based on, on, well, you can talk a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, it will vary dramatically depending on the state. But here I have insurance through Blue Cross Blue Shield um, and actually and Montana Health Co-op now. I first did it through Blue Cross and then through Montana Health Co-op this year. Um, and Ella is through Montana Healthy Kids. Yeah. So so there are options depending on the state, but it's not a good enough comprehensive answer. I wish there was one place I could send you. I mean, obviously, healthcare.gov is, is a place to get insurance. The question is, is that affordable insurance for you? And uh, depending on what state you're in, I've heard stories everywhere from, wow, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in terms of healthcare. And I've heard, I can't afford my family's healthcare anymore. And, yeah. and sort of every story in between. And I wish I had a better answer for you right now. I don't yet. Uh, but when I do, I will make sure that I share it uh, on the podcast and we'll, we'll probably write about it and tweet out some stuff about it as well. All right, next question is from John. John says, I often struggle to justify hobbies which add value to my life, but take up what I feel to be too much of my free time. 
Do you guys have any experiences to share with something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, my my business partner, Ryan, is a hobby junkie, right? <laughs> he he would do every hobby there is. And, and except he is good at saying no to some of the things that he wants to do. Like fly fishing is something he's thought about taking up and he's talked a lot about. Um, or, uh, you know, he mountain bikes, he snowboards, he skateboards, anything with a board he, uh, he, he will handle. But, um, the, the thing that I've, that, that I've thought about with respect to how you're spending your time and how you're spending your free time is really John's question here. Uh, you know what, when you're saying yes to any of those things, it's not just about, does this add value to my life? That's an important question. But is this, is this the best use of that time? Because if there are 10 different hobbies you can choose from, well, then obviously with within the next hour, you can do only one of those, right? And so what's the best use of this time? And you might find it's one of those hobbies and, and you have to prioritize them. But then also you might find that the best use of that time has nothing to do with the potential hobbies that you're thinking about. The best use of that time might have to do with uh, doing something like a, a, a project that you're passionate about or some creative work or contributing to your community in some way, finding a way to best spend that time. It's not just about, is it a good use of time? That's an important question, but you have to go beyond that and say, is this the best possible use of time? Because it's the one resource we all have the same amount of. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. And my question isn't about is this a good use of this hour? It's not just about that. It's about, man, how can I best spend this time? And man, I screw up. Um, I, I think about, I think about times where I'm like, I wish I would have done something different with this time. And, um, for me, a lot of time it has to do with what my values are, right? So if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm spending my time, you know, endlessly browsing Facebook or, uh, I used to channel surf a lot back when I had cable television and I would just get sort of lost in the glowing screens. I find that I do it now if, uh, if I'm not careful. Um, and I could have better used that time to spend with, with my partner. I could use that time to, to create, to, to write, um, to do something that is not a passive activity, but is a meaningful, active, engaged activity whether that's with other people or, or creating by myself. Nice. Any input? I think values is an important thing to consider. It's at worksheet on the minimal wellness website. If you go to minimalwellness.com slash values, you can find a worksheet that Beck's put together yeah. uh, about, about, about values and, and really figuring out how, what's the best way to allocate that, allocate that time. Yeah. Um, when, when, I think about, when I think about what my values are, I don't know that they change that much, but I uncover what they are more and more over time. So Bex and I are constantly talking about what our values are. Does, does this task align with my values? And here's the other cool thing is, is what I'm doing right now, does it align with multiple values, right? And, and we've talked about this in the past. Go back, we, we did a values episode on our podcast, episode 69, uh, talking about the difference between uh, you're laughing at that. I'm the only. I can't be the only one that is just <laughs> astounded when you pull these numbers and. Oh, I thought you were laughing because air. it was episode 69. Well, both, but oh, okay. I was trying to keep it PG. <laughs> I yeah. think it's quite all right. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever keep it PG. But with respect to the values question and hobbies, mm -hmm. like I think it's important to consider that like you don't 
have to allocate the same amount of time you might have once spent on a particular hobby. Like something can still be valuable to you, but five or 10 years after you initially have that hobby, it can morph and change. And well, I'm thinking about, so you used to play soccer. Yeah. You know, professionally. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, but so Bex is a great, great soccer player, but you used to play soccer every day, right? It wasn't just a hobby, obviously. Yeah. But, but it is occasionally for you a hobby and has become less and less of a hobby over time. It yeah. doesn't mean you don't find value in it. And when you do spend an hour uh, or two hours or whatever playing soccer or just dribbling a soccer ball, you can have fun with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't take that same level of, of intense dedication that it once took. Right. Um, and in fact, I, th- I find that many things that I was once yeah, uber passionate about, I don't feel that I have to dig in with that same passion all the time, right? Um, I find that often I'll, I'll stack things on top of each other. So for me, writing is the thing I'm most passionate about. And, and I write quite a bit, as you know. I, I will sit around for long periods of time and just manipulate words on a page. Um, and, and I enjoy doing that. Uh, but I don't know that I still have the same fever for it that I once had. I've, I've built a muscle and it's something I'm really good at. And it's something that, that adds tremendous value to my life and allows me to contribute in a bunch of different ways to other people. But I don't find that I feel the same that I, as I did at age 25 when it was still brand new and sort of exploratory. And I had that same level. I had that, that initial level of excitement for the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ex- it's not that the excitement isn't there, but I don't want to just get excited about something and, and then only do it if I get excited. Right. And so maybe keep that in mind with your hobbies too. Sometimes these hobbies, yes, they should be. If it's if it's strictly a hobby, it should be something that you do get value from. But man, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be. Well, I'm I'm excited about this thing, so I want to do it. Is it more meaningful than that? Is is the thing that I want to figure out? All right, Avery, I'm feeling so much freedom since I found you guys on the Fourth of July. Well, welcome aboard, Avery. <laughs> we have a huge house that's pretty much empty since we started looking at our lives through a more minimalist lens. One thing I really value is having people over for meals and games. We have a lot of family close by. It's hard to justify having such a huge space when we entertain a couple people or when we entertain people a couple days a month. But I cherish the memories that we make. Any ideas for how to, how to think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things you could do. I mean, it depends on on how much space you need for that. You know, I, I think about the most extroverted person I know is Ryan and their apartment is what, 700 square feet. It's mm-hmm. a, a loft apartment. Uh, if you want to see it, you can just go to the minimalists.com slash Nicodemus. It's basically a, a one bedroom or functionally zero bedroom studio. Yeah. In terms yeah. of privacy, there, there's very little. Um, but they find a way to make it work and they have large groups of people and they have game night and they have a dozen people over. They cram into a relatively small space. It's certainly not a tiny house or a micro apartment, but it's, uh, it's not a big space either. And so it's a flexible space, they, yeah, they've made it flexible mm-hmm. for, for their needs. Now, if 12 people were at our house, that would mean we were under, uh, some sort of martial law and, uh, 
our house had been quarantined by the military because we would never let 12 people over to our house. I think the closest we ever got was Ella's birthday party this year. Yeah. A couple was, months ago. Yeah, it was probably it was close, close to, to 12. That. Yeah. Close, kids count, counting kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't count kids as human beings yet. <laughs> no um they were most of them weren't in the house though they were outside no, playing no. around that so. was going to be my recommendation is outdoor space yeah indoor outdoor space flexible space um having spaces that serve multiple purposes yeah um but getting your space down to as small as you can while having it be really flexible like our house is small yeah it's 1300 square feet but, but, but there's a not, lot of it's not functionality. a tiny house right and and um don't think that you have to live in something as small just for the sake of it being small and then here's the other side so you have a big house and you can't get out of it for whatever reason maybe you're upside down or or you're waiting for something to change or you have to sell it in a year or you know you're going to move to a different city in a year whatever it may be just because you have the space realize you don't have to fill it uh sometimes when, when i look at a space uh i i, I sort of deal with this existential clutter like just because the space is is empty doesn't mean that it's empty right maybe it's full of opportunity something i can do with that space the the opposite is also true just because it's full of trinkets doesn't mean i get anything from it it's empty in a different way and so the space for me aesthetics are important and and i want a space to be beautiful i like the architecture to be beautiful but I don't feel the need to just fill the space because we have the additional space. We, we could fit all of our things into a tiny house, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, Ella's bed probably wouldn't fit or her tent. Her tent might not. Yeah. Her so dining room table might not. That's true. Yeah. But, but uh, we could certainly fit into a, uh, a micro apartment mm-hmm. scenario where it's you know 400 square feet or 350 square feet it'd be it'd be crammed though and i like having wa- bigger op- more open space so does ella so yeah and ella loves running around in, in open spaces uh, but i don't i don't want to y- you have to practice a certain level of of restraint so speaking mm-hmm. of values that's one mm-hmm. of my values is practicing restraint whenever i can because Man, I remember when I had the big house with the three-car garage and the four bedrooms and the two living rooms and the full basement and the attic. And even though I had an attic, like, I might as well put some stuff in here. And Mm -hmm. I'm never going to use this space, so I might as well use it by filling it with things that I'm not going to let go of. Things that I'll I'll put off letting go uh, and, and, and force my future self to deal with that. And man, that, that is a recipe for disaster, right? Like I'll, I'll just, I'll procrastinate and force my future self to deal with that. So, you know, I, I have to thank my, my past self for a lot of indiscretions because I'm still cleaning up stuff from, from my twenties, not physical stuff, but health stuff now. Right. And so I have to, I have to keep in mind, like I'm 36 years old now is my 46 year old self going to be happy about this 10 years from now. And if not, yeah, I, I let go of it. Sean asks, uh, we have a family of eight living in Southern California. Wow. Despite some major efforts, I seem to be taking one step forward and two steps back. Uh-huh. We're still very motivated, but we feel a bit discouraged. Any thoughts on perseverance? By the way, my wife and I had a great time at your tour stop in San Diego. That's great. We're on the Less Is Now tour right now. You can come out and see us. We're uh, 
right in the middle of a break right now. Lessisnow.com for all the dates of that. We have uh, 21 more cities to go, 22, something like that. Anyway, um, thanks for coming out to the tour stop. You're struggling with staying motivated, it sounds like. So motivation is, is internal, inspiration is external, is, is sort of the way I look at this. You can go out and read a, a book that's inspirational. You can watch a TED Talk and feel inspired. The question is, what are you going to do with that inspiration? Usually, inspiration doesn't last far beyond the closing the web browser, turning off the TV, closing the book. It might last a day, two days, a couple weeks, but eventually you're like, ah, that inspiration wanes. So what I'm more interested in is motivating myself, right? And I can use that inspiration as a trigger, but how do I stay motivated? Well, I have to ask myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. And keep in mind that why changes for you over time as well. When you first embraced minimalism or thought about embracing minimalism, it might've just been like, wow, my house is too cluttered. Or wow, I have too much debt. Or I really feel tethered to this corporate career, whatever it may be. And then once you start removing some stuff, you figure out there are other whys. There are other purposes for simplifying your life. I have more time for my family, more time for my relationships, my friends, uh, the people I care about most. I have more time for creativity or for hobbies. I have more free time to meditate or exercise or to devote to my health. What is the why for you? Because anytime you feel stagnant or anytime you feel like you're taking a step back, it's because you've lost sight of the why. And it may not be far out of sight, but it's enough out of sight that you've lost the leverage you need to keep going. Share any personal stories on that at all? Mm. We were just getting rid of some stuff yesterday. We were. Yeah, and, and so um, we have some folks from Nightline coming out to Montana um, next month. And um, you know, our house looks just like our house does when you go to theminimalists.com slash Milburn. You will see, you'll see our house, but minus the couch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the that was going to be something I shared. Oh yeah. Yeah. The couch is gone. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, we, we could talk about that and in place of the couch is a tent. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Ella can go camping in the living room. Sometimes we'll hang out in there and like read stories and stuff, or sometimes she'll kick me out and say it's for girls only. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but we, we, uh, we always want to put our best foot forward. So it's not like uh, doing something that is uh, disingenuous. Like I don't want to no, rearrange no. the house in a way where like, oh, quick, we got to hide all of the things that we own. No, it was like, hey, some people are coming out. Uh, let's a uh, week early. Let's take a look at our donation bin and the other things we want to donate. What's our house going to look like when we put our best foot forward? Mm -hmm. And I think you can do that I mean, if Nightline is going to come over to your house. And uh, that's one reason to to scrutinize everything. But guess what? It took us about an hour or two hours very lazily to scrutinize everything. And we had you know, a trunk full of stuff, basically, uh, to take to Goodwill. So some of Ella's stuff, uh, she's she's uh, wasn't around this weekend. And so <laughs> it's easier to get rid of Ella's stuff when she isn't there. Uh, by the way, I'm not so recommending me. <laughs> She's going to listen to this like 14 years from now. Like <laughs> thankful. I hope most of the stuff was larger, like furniture type items that we hadn't decided whether or not we were ready to like part with them. Yeah. We had kind of staged them away from our 
we weren't using them. Yeah, sort of like a, a miniature packing party for a particular mm-hmm. item. And mm-hmm. so the, they all fit within the 90-90 rule. Haven't used this in the last 90 days. Yep. Am I honest with myself? Uh, if, if I'm honest with myself, am I going to use this in the next 90 days? If not, we gave ourselves permission to let go of it. Right. So There were a few items left over from the merging of our two households that yeah. we were like, I don't know if we'll use that. Like, it doesn't have a f- current space in the house, but maybe it will yeah serve a purpose right in a few you know weeks or months and it never did so. yeah it's like a little side table a lamp um a few other things where where they were just sitting in the garage basically and it was starting to accumulate this small pile of stuff and and for me it was like well well what's uh, what are some of the rules i've set up right so even before you get to the why, if you have certain rules set up, they help you maintain that why. why. What's the 90-90 rule? What's the 20-20 rule? You can find all that stuff on our website. Um, and then a few months ago, as a family, we played the 30-day minimalism game, mm-hmm. which was really hard for us because we didn't really have 500 items to get rid of. At least we thought we didn't. A lot of Ella's stuff went. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's easy to get rid of kids' stuff. They accumulate so much that. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and she's developed the, the contribution muscle. She yeah. understands the why, too. It's not just about getting rid of the stuff. Part of it is so the why is so she can bring new stuff in. That she understands that's her why. Like mm-hmm. I want this new thing. Mm-hmm. What am I going to get rid of? But mm-hmm. also she's learned. Well, if I, I get rid of this, some other kid can yeah. can have fun with it. That's the one that surfaced more lately. Yeah, it's like I'm not using this thing anymore. Someone else can have it. Right. It's really sweet. Good deal. So we got a few more here, and then we'll get to some of y- y'all's questions as well. Oh, the oh, two steps forward, the one step back. Yeah. I think that that's how we all progress in life like it's never a linear progression the problem is he said one step forward two steps back well well that that's I'm not gonna a way to f- i'm gonna flip it around and yeah, say yeah, yeah. you can always expect regression on, yes. on the direction that you are going um and that when you're regressing don't let it sap you of your motivation i agree with that and uh when you when you take a step backward, sometimes realize that that step backward was necessary to change your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You have to take a step back to look around. And sometimes that step back is a pivot as well. Mm-hmm. So realize I need to take a step back so I can pivot five degrees in, in this direction. And a five degree pivot doesn't sound like a big uh, a big pivot, but a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, put you in a completely different destination. That five degree pivot is the difference between Albuquerque and Seattle. Right. When, when you're traveling west, it just really depends on on what you if you take that step back and, and you make that pivot or are you course correcting, basically. And sometimes that's going to happen. You're going to say, ah, oh, I shouldn't have bought that thing. I shouldn't have wasted money on this. I should have let go of this sooner. I can tell you a lot of I, I, I tend not to have many regrets, but anytime that regrets come up or a little twinge of regret comes up in my life, it tends to be with not doing something sooner. Like, I wish I would have started the podcast sooner. Totally. Yeah. I wish I would have started our website sooner. I wish I would have started minimalism sooner. Uh, and it's just, well, I couldn't, I, if I look at the moment now, I wish I would have done this sooner. Well, I can't. So the soonest I can do it is now. And now is a good time to, to take some action. Uh, Sonia says, any tips on uh, de- dealing with just for when items? I seem to run out of everything at the same time. It's like toilet paper, paper towel. That's a good thing to run out of all your just for when items at the same time. That's like one <laughs> one store. One shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were at Target yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was trying to buy a cape for Ella. We were both equally but miserable. Bex would not let me buy this cape for Ella. I told him no cape. <laughs> 
Um, Sorry, Ella. No, actually, she just talked me out of it. Um, she has a cape. It has feathers on it. That's how she talked me out of it. Uh, anyway, uh, so Sonia's saying just for win items. How do I deal with that? So let, let's delineate. I look at just-in-case items just for win items. Just-in-case item is something we hold on to knowing that we're probably never actually going to use it. Or we can't think of a time when we're going to use it in the future, but... I better hold on to it just in case. The just for win items are things that it's like, well, it may not fit in my 90-90 rule. I might have these snow pants or whatever. Actually, you were going through some snow pants yesterday. Mm -hmm. There's and a few. And you yeah. haven't, uh, you maybe used them within the last <laughs> 90 days. I don't know. But but probably haven't used them not within quite. the last 90 days, but close to that. But you know that they fall just outside of that 90-90 rule, but it's just for when. You know you're going to use them again next time you go skiing. Yes. Right? Yes. And Which so, will be next year, like when the snow falls again. You know that you're going to go skiing again. Yeah. It's not like, eh, if I ever pick up skiing again. Right. There are some people like that. They're holding on to skis that they used 20 years ago, but haven't used them since. Right. Um, side note, yeah. get rid of the skis. They're now dangerous. Like <laughs> oh, from 20 years ago. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there, certain things like sporting equipment in particular, like some of them, if they have functional pieces, can get really dangerous to use. All right. Well, my so father had a pair of 30-year-old ski boots break on moguls and a large crash ensued. All right. Well, yeah. that's a public service announcement <laughs> for you all. PSA. So anyway, um, if you... Uh, if you're holding on to something just in case, I give myself permission to get rid of it. And and the 2020 rule has come into play for me, what we call the just in case rule, the minimalists.com slash JIC. If you want to check it out, uh, you can replace any of your just in case items less than 20 minutes, less than $20. That rule holds up 99% of the time. It's actually held up 100% of the time for me. And I've had to use it only five times in the last six years. Uh, actually, but that's between me and Ryan. A pair of scissors, a pair of swimming trunks. Uh, and a couple of the things that Ryan replaced. But, I mean, the cool thing is you never have to use it. Just for win items are different. Just for win items are the, the, the snow pants or the toilet paper. You're like, ah, oh, I've had this case of toilet paper or whatever. And, and my question is, can you afford, afford the item when it's a just for win item? And when I say afford the item, I don't just mean can I afford the price of the item? Because if you're holding on to the thing, it costs you nothing now in terms of money but it does cost you in terms of space you know if someone were to drop off a a, a pallet of toilet paper at our house we'll eventually use that <laughs> but i don't i don't have the space for that right and so i can't afford and i can't afford it in terms of space i'd have to rent out a storage locker to store that toilet paper it would not be a uh, a good investment and so when i'm thinking about all of these just for win items i'm thinking about i'm thinking about when am I going to use this? Am I certain it's something I'm going to use? And then here's the other thing. Would someone else get value from it in the meantime? Because if it's something like, I'm going to hold on to this just for when I uh, go skiing again in five years, you know what? Someone's probably going to get more value from these. And five years from now, if I do end up going skiing, I can rent or, or do something else that, that's appropriate for the time. I don't need to hold on to these things in the meantime. I can tell a story about just for when. Tell me. So when we were culling and merging households, um, I got rid of some glassware for like having people over. Right. Because, yeah, <laughs> we don't have people over very often. Right. But um, and you had a lot of glassware. I did. I did. Because 
because I had them for just for when. Right. Because you th- well, there were the occasional times, maybe once a year, where I would have people over. Um, I always hid in the kitchen, but they'd be over. Right. Um, and so what I ended up doing was instead I had I had this mental dialogue going like, can I should I use disposable, you know, glassware and plates and whatnot, or could I pick up a few glasses at Goodwill and then bring them back to Goodwill? Mm. And what I did was I actually went to Goodwill and saw if they had an item or two that fit what I was looking for. Right. And then as I was at Goodwill, I pulled up um, Amazon on my phone to see how much it would cost to get like disposable cups and things like that. And so I compared the cost of them and also like the environmental cost. Like I hate throwing things away. I hate using single use right. things. Um, yeah, she does. She's constantly just <laughs> bashing re- my head against the wall. Reusing. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I try to, I don't know, just use a paper plate or something. Stop it. It's World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't that go in the recycle bin? Uh yeah, so I found out that it was actually cheaper to buy six matching awesome like mid-century glasses that I happened to f- score or find at Goodwill um, and also bring two wine glasses back into the house that were identical to the two I donated. They might actually have been the two that I donated several <laughs> years or several months prior. You, you kind of used uh, Goodwill as your storage locker. I did, I did. And that, uh, that's why I bring it up is other people have mentioned that before as being a really nice um, way of doing that. So let, let's talk about that real quick. So, so you had a lot of glasses, uh, a disproportionate number that would, you had more than would ever be used at one time at one point. Like I remember when we first started dating. For us. Yes. Yeah, for us, yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, Ryan would probably need double what exactly. you had. Exactly. Um, and so, but you you held on to them because they were just for when, at least in your mind. But mm-hmm. then when you when you what you're saying is, I remember having this conversation with you actually. It, once you laid out the scenario, like how often am I really going to have this many people over mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and and you realize like, no, it's just for when someone else does this, but not just for when I do it. Mm-hmm. And quite often we have to be careful and say some of these just for when items. I'm they're 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 just in case items masquerading as just for when totally and we need to be careful about that we it's the hardest person to be honest with is ourselves it's it's easy to lie to ourselves about well I'm just gonna I am gonna use that I'm sure and we're putting it off putting it off putting it off but we're not really sure at all okay this is a test of my eagle eyes a friend of mine is a hoarder I've tried to have her other friends talk to her about it. We've offered to help. We've made all kinds of suggestions and she keeps saying tomorrow. Mm. Do you have any suggestions on how we can support her in some way? Yeah, trying to force someone to change isn't a really good way to support someone. And and so, uh, Chris, the first thing I'll say is you can't help someone who doesn't want help. Uh, but you can support them through your actions and showing that you care. And, and if they want help, then you, you, you go way, way out of your way to show them that you do care. But in the meantime, trying to force someone to change is never a recipe for, for success. And so um, the thing that I'll say is you, I think you kind of have to let go of the idea that you want this person to live a particular way. 
my my journey into simplifying my life was never about changing others, um, especially when I first did it just for me. It was about simplifying my life so I could live a more meaningful life. But then as I started sharing this message, and even now, I'm not trying to change anyone here. I don't want to convert anyone to minimalism. I want to be able to help people who want help. And and that's really what we're trying to do here is is help more and more people understand their life will be better by, by simplifying. Now, it may be that this person who is a hoarder does want help and they just don't know how, uh, what the leverage is. And in that case, the question you need to ask them is, how might your life be better with less? And by answering that question, you're able to identify what the purpose of minimalism is for them. And it's going to be different for them than it is for you. You, you can't just talk about what the benefits are for you. You might be able to, and that might resonate. You know, for me, it was, the biggest one was getting out of debt. And that resonates with a lot of people because there's $14 trillion worth of consumer debt in the United States. But it may not be the most compelling reason for your hoarder friend. And so you have to figure out what is the most compelling reason. Instead of encouraging them to get rid of their stuff, encourage them to pursue what those benefits are. We're just going through these questions here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We 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 kind of covered that. Mm-hmm. I have very few hobbies. I I I'm I'm an obsessive person. And so when I dive in, I will just dive into the deep end. And so a hobby for me means reallocating my most precious resource, my time, right? And it means I have to say no usually to something I already find to be really important, like writing or or doing this podcast or spending time with the people closest to me. And so I, I have to be willing to say no to those things if I'm going to say yes to this new thing. It looks like we've got... So there's another question here. All right, let's make this the last question, I think. Okay. So, hi, Joshua. Thank you so much for your personal story and the life-changing message you are sharing. I have a lot of duplicates or a variety of products... Um, for hair and skin Mm -hmm. that I have accumulated. I want to minimize now and want to get rid of everything except for what I'm using um, in the (laughs) moment. But I feel I will be spending money when it runs out Yeah. versus... Well, if, if they're truly duplicates, here's the thing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm either the, the perfect person to ask for about this or I am the worst person to ask about this because I'm not going to tell you to get rid of duplicates if they're actually duplicates. And here's what I mean by that. So I don't own a whole lot of things, but I own a lot of duplicates. Like, if you go to our junk drawer, <laughs> I have like, like six chapsticks in there. They're all the same kind, but I just know that I, as soon as it runs out, I want access to another one immediately, right? I keep one in my car. I keep one in my pocket. I have one in my pocket right now. Um, or if you lose one. If I lose one, I keep one in my, my bag as well. And so I have access to, and, and here's the thing though, I, it's something I use every day. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's something I know I'm going to use. I have several, I have a stack of packs of gum that I order in bulk. You know, bulk is just duplicates, right? You, you, but then the question is, is when is too much too much, right? And as long as I have the space for the thing, because I own very few things, I can have duplicates of, usually they're consumables, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or They're almost always consumables. Or shirts like this. Duplicates of, of this shirt. And, also true. <laughs> and these, sh- actually I have duplicates of these shoes, right? <laughs> these are the shoes that I'm wearing right now. They don't have any logo on them. But um, I have, I think, 
Well, I had two pairs. I just ordered a third pair, but I threw you have, a pair you away. You three pairs. Okay. What? Those. All in various stages of wear. Yeah, yeah. One had a hole in the pinky toe. Uh, so I go through maybe three pairs of these a year um, and because I do a lot of walking. I try to walk eight miles a day if I can. And when I do that, I tend to wear out these shoes. And so I will have a backup pair. Um, but yeah, so so I have duplicates. <laughs> But I don't go. I don't. I don't think I go overboard ever. No. It's just it works well for me. You also have duplicates of those specific shoes, so you can have one in the freezer. <laughs> if they get here, okay. So pro tip for you: <laughs> if these shoes get stinky, which I don't wear socks, so they will, right? Um, I'm showing this to the folks on the video. They go in the freezer, and when you put them in the freezer, it kills all the bacteria, and they stop stinking. And I think it freaks Bex out a little bit. I love it. I think it's ingenious. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that. It's fun to hear the like insider tidbits. Um, about the duplicates from a lady's point of view. Um, I, I spent a long time sort of trying to find products that worked really well for me, particularly like my hair um, and my skin in Montana. Mm. Um, Montana's super, super dry and my hair hates it. So does my skin. And so like I'll get halfway through a tube of, or I used to get halfway through a tube of a certain face cream and be like, this doesn't work uh -huh. or like it's not. But I'll hold on to it just in case. Right. Or, yeah. That's right. what I used to do too. Or, or like I'll have a bunch of, you can look and see examples of this in the men's game posts that I put up, but like um sample things that come sometimes with products that you purchase like there's not an option to not purchase the product with the little sample thing right or like if i bought something online they'd say oh you can have five free samples i had this happen the other day i was on i was trying to buy some more brain octane oil yeah mct oil yeah and there was one that was a dollar cheaper. I shit you not. It was a dollar cheaper and it came with 30 little plastic serving size cups. What? And I'm like, so I. Oh, of like the brain octane, like in individual serving. But yeah, but it just came with like, the, it was a regular bottle. Uh huh. But then it was 30 individual serving, like little NyQuil calf cups. Oh God. 30 of those. And I'm like. It's my nightmare people. I, I, uh, I mean, I, personally, I'm not as, um, fervent as um as bex here but i do go out of my way to consume less and produce less waste and i'm like why do i why would i want these 30 plastic it's plastic cups so people are literally using one of those each night with or day or whenever yeah. they take their brain octane and then throwing it away yeah <laughs> um oh. and it was a buck cheaper for whatever reason and so i went and i paid a dollar more f to not have Yay. the the 30 bits of plastic waste so um yeah it's something Bravo. that you can do hey thanks <laughs> but now i don't buy the stuff with the samples like i just i'm like I, I try to plan ahead now that i've got the things that i like dialed in better right. and so i'll have a backup always like Let's, you do so remember in the documentary there was a there was an architect uh frank and he was down in tucson 
and he he the one thing he said was like he, he the couch he had he loves and you can see it in the documentary but one thing he said i think this is in the bonus footage it's not in the actual documentary itself um he was talking about how he um he he like spent like three years finding the couch that he has right yeah it takes a while sometimes and for him minimalism was a way to not have to keep deciding like it's Mm -hmm. deciding Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. so you don't have to continue to decide again and what Mm -hmm. you just said really stood out to me you're like i'm getting my choices pared down so like for you your wardrobe your wardrobe i've noticed over the last several years has become a lot simpler and you look i mean you've always looked amazing but you look (laughs) truly amazing in the clothes that you wear now because they they feel comfortable on you yeah it is simpler mm-hmm. uh and and then see it you're not you're not trying to make something work you're like, I, in fact when we were we were doing the the cleaning out of of the house this weekend uh there was like one dress where you're like yeah i have three dresses or had no sorry i had four dresses uh-huh. in my closet yeah and one of them the last time i wore it which was in july back in minnesota uh-huh. i was like i real, used to it love it colorful one yeah it i was, used to love it, it had stri- yeah. colorful stripes yeah not like super colorful but like yeah colorful enough right and it just like it didn't feel as good on me yeah. as as <laughs> the black version of it <laughs> i have well, two versions of almost the same dress okay one's like a little shiny and it's black uh-huh. it's dressier yeah um and then the other one was like um, a more sundress type version of it. Yeah. And I just didn't enjoy wearing the sundress type version of it as much. Yeah. But I did love it at one point. Like right. I really, really liked it. But yeah, it and, went in the donation pile this time. Well, that's something else to keep in mind. Just because you loved something five mm-hmm. years ago doesn't Absolutely. mean it's going, you're going to continue to love it with the with the same amount of, of attention and care. As your life changes, your preferences will also change and mature. And as your preferences mature, we can let go of our old preferences and in doing that it might mean letting go of some of the the stuff mm-hmm. in the process mm-hmm. all right i think it's a great place to end it y'all bex thanks for joining me <laughs> you're very welcome it was all right fun. all right y'all until next time love people use things the opposite never works we'll see you soon Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear